0: Well, you know what's a blessing is, um, I was looking back at the clock, and I realized if they don't care about the clock, then I don't care about the clock. And, and uh, I thought to myself, when the choir was singing, I thought, um, one song, what was the name of that first song? We Will Remember Mercy. I'm telling you, that that's one of those songs that um, you want to cry, you want to laugh, you want to rejoice. And if people just get out of the way, you wouldn't mind running a little bit. Um, and then I'm so glad to brother see Brother Marshall sitting over there just calling out numbers. Eleven. Nine. Four. And I, I'm thinking. That's exactly what I do. I love it. Man, listen, church is one of those things. We only get to come to church three times a week. And so we've got into this mentality where we just come here and we, got it. we get an hour and we we're done in an hour. And I'm telling you, that's not the way traditionally, historically, we have been. We have assembled for the, for, for the purpose of glorifying God. And... We, Clocks are great, but when we, when we moved into our new building uh, two years ago almost, they said, uh, Pastor, where are you going to put a clock? And I said, why do we need one? So preachers come and preach, and they're like, well, how do I know when I'm done? And I was like, well, you ought to know when you're done. <laughs> I'm not trying to be silly, but I'm not, how can I tell you when you're done? So we don't have a clock in the auditorium. There's nothing in the sound booth. There's no way you can know what's going on as far as time unless you get your phone out. Because no, but very few people, I mean, I guess you wear the cool watches, right? But that's all the way. I was like, why? I don't want anybody turning around doing this when I'm preaching. No, no. So there's no clock. There's no nothing. I want to say a few things before I get started. I appreciate your labor of love and the investments that you make on a spiritual level, into the Recharge, the Baptist Men's Recharge. This is our third or fourth year coming at New Heights Baptist Church, and um, we started coming, I think it was actually three years ago. And um, for us, we're going to be there every single year because of the emphasis on preaching and because of the emphasis on uh, letting the Spirit of God lead and move and the emphasis on that preaching. And so we're going to be there every year. But I know that there's a lot of work that goes into it. And so all those folks that put in all that effort and go in early and do all those different things, from the meals to all the different things that have to go into it, from the sound, you know, the sound guys. What a job that is. And nobody ever talks about the sound guys unless something goes wrong. No, it's true, isn't it? But that is a tough, tough job. The guys that run the sound, that is a hard job. And it's like it's like no one pays any attention to the center on a football team unless he makes a bad snap. And the second he makes a bad snap, we're like, "Oh, we got to get a new center." You know what I mean? Same way with the sound guy, if something goes, and everybody goes, "Come on, sound guy!" Never think about it until something goes bad. I'm just thankful for every single aspect of ministry. Everybody does it. Really makes a big difference when we listen because our men and my, we just show up. We pray and we ask God to speak to us when we just come to the meeting and everything is ready to go. And I want to tell you, thank you for that. But I also want to tell you this, um, thank, thank you for uh, allowing me to come here today. Um, I've enjoyed my time uh, uh, here at the church at, at, at Riverside and to um, experience what I've experienced with the attitude and heart towards music uh, and the lifting up and the praising of our Lord that's been a massive encouragement to me. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a choir that sings from their heart unto the Lord. I'm thankful to see men opening up their mouths and letting her fly. I don't know any, many of you, but I'm watching the men in that choir, and some of you are singing with such passion, you're shaking. And I'm telling you right now, that is a blessing. The ladies and their their heart to, to sing in the choir, what an amazing gift and treasure and joy that is. I'm telling you, I could have listened to the choir over and over and over again tonight. I'm very, very thankful for the choir, and I'm very, very thankful for just the spirit that I've been able to uh, see and to be a part of. Listen. I don't preach out a ton. I used to preach out more when I was in Washington State Uh, and my moved to Oklahoma, I think God just kind of had me a little more centralized, not going out as much um, and spending more just for for my family and the things that that God had for us there in Tulsa. Um, But I'm telling you right now in the places that I've been, um, everything I've seen and experienced here has been an encouragement and and an absolute blessing. Um, Boy, what a blessing it was to be a part of that song service this, this evening. Man, I'm so thankful for that. And to hear the men and the young men and the boys share their hearts about how God spoke to them, those things are priceless. They're priceless. You cannot put a price tag on it. I'm thankful for you. So when I go home tomorrow, I'll be, I'll be driving on cloud nine, I guess you could say. And I'm very grateful for you. and thankful for Brother Marshall and his wife and how they treated us and been such kind, good friends to us for a very, very long time. And I'm grateful for them. And um, there's just a lot to thank the Lord for. And it's amazing how God uses people. How God uses people in your life and in my life to show me his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his love, to show himself to us through people. It's a blessing. Well, grab your Bibles and go to Nehemiah. I feel impressed with the Lord to preach this message, Nehemiah, in chapter number one. When you arrive there, I would encourage you to stand for the reading of the word. And um, I'm excited to preach tonight, and I, I am looking forward to, the, to, to, to watching God work. But, but I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, I, I, I do know what the clock says. I'm very aware of the hour. I remember Brother Sam used to say that. And, and, and when Brother Sam says that, basically, when Brother Sam says he's aware of the hour, Just understand it. that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) It doesn't mean a thing to him. And um, he is my pastor. He was my preacher. And so I am aware of the clock. Amen? Amen? I'm aware of the clock. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse number 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hechaliah. And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Notice verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned a certain days and fasted and prayed there before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now. Day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. And confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant uh, Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, Let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. Tonight, if the Lord will let me, I want to preach a message that encourages us in rebuilding the wall of prayer. One of the weaknesses I believe in most Christians' lives, and I'm not saying everyone, so don't look at me like, you know, like with, with staves coming out of your eyes. Most Christians struggle with a consistent, purposeful prayer life. I said most Christians because they have no idea what it is to listen, to go before God the way God wants us to go before Him. And they think prayer's easy, but prayer takes effort and purpose, and it takes, listen, it has to be intentional. So tonight, if you'd allow me, I'd like to preach a message on rebuilding the wall of prayer. God, we love you, and I'm thankful for you I'm thankful for these folks. I'm just now getting to know them, but what a joy and what a treasure to be able to meet many of them today and be able to worship you with them is just a tremendous, tremendous honor. And I'm grateful for it. God, I pray you'd continue to bless the folks of Riverside Baptist Church and continue to grow them and continue to use them in, in, in the exact way that you desire to use each one of them fitly framed together into this wonderful local church. God, I pray you do great and mighty things with them. And Father, I pray tonight we'd be able to give our full heart and attention, even though I'm sure there are many who may be tired and many who may be weary. God, give them the help that they need and the strength that they need as we endeavor to get closer to our Savior. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Rebuilding walls. (laughs) That can be kind of hard. I guess my question and thought maybe at the beginning is it easier to build a new wall, or is it easier to take a old wall and have to rebuild it? I did concrete work for a lot of years. I I uh, I, I don't I, I, listen. Um, I don't miss one day of doing concrete work. I don't. I don't miss one day of it. I, I started doing concrete work in 1998. And I only did it until about, I don't know, 2003, I believe it was. I didn't do it very long, but I sure am grateful that I didn't have to do it very long. Because we would go out there, and the first job that I went on was we were pouring walls that were 30 feet high and 12 inches thick, and, and it was 1998 in Oklahoma, was the hottest summer on record, and uh, it was like in August, we had 27 or something straight days of 106 plus degrees, and it was absolutely horrible. Nobody on the job site smiled. Nobody was happy. Nobody did anything that was kind nor polite. It was a horrible, horrible experience. And I remember there was one section of the job that, 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 that they were having to attach this, this, this building, whatever it was that we were building, and they were attaching it to an existing building. And I remember that they had to tear out the old and we had to put in something new and rebuild what they were doing there. And that was the most challenging part of the project. Because once something is built and it's established, a lot of times it's hard to get in there and tear it down. It's challenging. And when concrete is poured and it is set, it is not intended to move. And so, therefore, when we were working those jobs, I remember some of the most frustrating things is when we had to go back and rebuild something that had already been done and bring it back to what it used to be. It was challenging, it was hard, it took intention, it took purpose. You had to go through hard times. You had to see the challenges that were in your way. And you, you had to be purposeful in doing that. And sometimes it just got really hard. Rebuilding walls is a challenge. It can be difficult. But we need to be reminded about something that we learned here in Nehemiah. Now, 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 now Nehemiah apparently in the first few verses... Was asking some of the men that had come back from from that area and come back uh, from that city, and and he asked them what the condition was. And, and as he hears what the condition of Jerusalem is, and he hears about those who were left of the captivity, and and and, and listen, uh, those who were left of the captivity, that that remnant, that group, they they had specific things that they were supposed to go back and accomplish. If you were to continue reading in Nehemiah and read Ezra and, and these books, you would see that there was a clear objective and a clear plan that they were supposed to get done. And what we find is that these walls, in the first few verses, that the walls were still not built. Now, to us, we hear that, and you and I, we don't live in cities with walls around them. We live in cities that are basically crossed by highways and interstates and roads and all those kinds of things. And then we don't understand what walls are. We don't live in a society where walls were put up around us to keep people out. We live in a completely different thought process. But when he asks this question and he hears the news that the walls are not built, then he knows without a shadow of a doubt that Jerusalem is impossible for it to be secure, and it's impossible for it to be what God wants it to be without those walls. He has to have those walls. If those walls aren't there, then anybody can just run roughshod through Jerusalem and do whatever they would so choose to do. And we do need to be reminded that nobody really liked the Jews. They, they, they weren't hanging out with a lot of friends. Uh, they, they were all alone and they were hated by many around them. Listen, just like they are today, just like they are today, the reality of that season and that section of the world, it has not changed. Uh, those places and those countries that surround Israel even today would like nothing more for them to be pushed off into the sea and no longer exist. But the reality is, my friends, in this particular season of time, there were no walls, there was no defense, there was no protection. And as he asked this question, I want you to hear the heart of Nehemiah. Because the heart of Nehemiah is this How are my brethren? How are the ones that I care about? How are they doing? How are the ones that I know? How are they holding up in the midst of this conflict, in the midst of this struggle? How are they holding up? He wants to know how his brethren are. The reply to that answer is challenging. He says that they are in great affliction and suffering reproach. Oh, my friends, none of us want to see a brother. None of us want to see someone we're close to to suffer affliction. Nobody wants to see a friend or a brother to go through anything hard or challenging. And yet Nehemiah gets this answer and it begins to prick his heart. There's, there's brothers out there that are suffering. There's brothers out there who are going through a, a, a reproach. And, they're, and, and listen, they're, they're, they're literally suffering great affliction. The next question that Nehemiah has is simply this. How's the work going? How's it going? I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked post-COVID. Hearing the stories from missionaries. Listen, can I just be honest with you? You're coming into Missions Month. Man, those missionaries are our brothers. Now, those missionaries are not just people that are on letters and and have a placard on a wall. No, no, no. Those missionaries that are all over the world, they are our brothers. We have linked arms with them to fight the good fight of the faith and to declare declare the gospel all around the world. Listen, they are our brothers. We are together in the fight with them. And I'm amazed today that I hear from missionaries and and talking with the brothers from Canada today and hearing about what's taking place in, 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 in Quebec and hearing all all those things that are taking place across Canada. I want you to know, my friends, the devil is not asleep and we have many adversaries, we have enemies all around. And I'm telling you when I hear about our brothers in great affliction and then I hear how at least from humanly speaking and I hear how the work of God is not what it was before. No, no, yeah, I, listen, I'm not saying God's no, lo- oh, don't don't do don't don't, don't, don't don't look at me like that. He just say God's losing. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. I have friends that are missionaries in the Philippines and friends that are in Sri Lanka and friends that are in India and friends that are in the, listen, most, most challenging parts of the world with the strictest of COVID restrictions who have story after story of amazing victory as dark as it got. The, listen, the light shone through and pierced through the darkness. There's amazing stories of victory, but I'm telling you right now, my friends, we have to be reminded. Please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm going to talk plainly. I don't want to be misunderstood that, that, that when we read this in Nehemiah and we look at it as an Old Testament account and maybe we forget, maybe we forget that, that the devil just doesn't show up in the New Testament. Then, listen. The devil does not doesn't just show up in the New Testament. The the the, the adversaries that we have, the prince the, the prince uh, principalities of the air. It's not just a, a a a New Testament truth. Listen. The devil is against. The devil has been against the work of God long before creation ever even existed. Nehemiah is hurt. He's hurt in his heart because his brothers are hurting. He's hurt in his heart because the work isn't going forward. He's broken in his spirit. When he heard what was going on, it had a profound impact on him. It it broke his heart. Verse number four is a wonderful insight into this man, Nehemiah, this, this man of God, if you will. Who who was a simple man, but yet he had, listen, he had a desire to do something for God. And in verse number four, we get a glimpse into his heart. And when he heard those words, the Bible says he sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, I've been been teaching a series uh, uh, on Wednesday nights, and it reminds me of Abraham when Sarah died. When Sarah died, Abraham was broken hearted. But the Bible says that he went to her and he mourned for her and he wept for her and then he buried her kind of in a far off place off to the side. And it doesn't give us an exact timeline of what transpired, but he grieved for her, he mourned for her, he wept for her and then he rose up to go forward and serve God. I'm sure with some level of a heavy heart, I'm sure with some level of brokenness, but listen, can I just say this to us this, this evening? It would be good for us to maybe get a little bit Maybe, a, maybe we need a big dose of brokenness. Thinking we can get out here and do this fight on our own. Thinking we can go and, 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 and fight and fight the fight that God has us to fight and, and to be involved in the work that, that God wants us to be in, involved in. And, and, and listen, listen, shame on us if we think that we can just do that by conjuring something up in our own heart. I've never seen anybody last in the fight for God when they had to constantly conjure themselves up in order to do something. If we're going to do anything for God, we need to look at these principles we can find uh, from Nehemiah's life where he had a heart to do something for God. He was broken when his brothers were hurting. He was broken, my friends, when he found out that the walls weren't going up, when the work wasn't getting done. It spoke to him and it reached into his heart and it stirred him. I still believe God is in the stirring business. He's not, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% on board. God's still saving souls. And I love to hear the stories of people coming to Jesus. And I love to see people come to Jesus at New Heights Baptist Church. And I love to see the redeemed rejoice. And I love to hear that sacrifice of praise that the redeemed give up. But I'm trying to tell you, my friends, the work that is in front of us as God's people cannot be done in any other way except on a bended knee and a contrite heart yielded to the power of God in our life. Yeah. What won't happen any other way. Nehemiah was a man that desired to do something. He, he sat and he just wept. And he just cried. And he mourned over the things that he had heard. I don't know about you, but maybe sometimes I think about, when I read my Bible, my imagination might get a little far, but you know how it is when you think about places and things that you love? You know, I, I, I think about the places that I've been in my life and the places where God's allowed me to go. And then I, I I think about going places like Sri Lanka in 2019. And I think about going and walking up and down the streets of Colombo. And I think about trying to be a witness for the Lord there and, 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 and just seeing the darkness all over. I think about going to a town just up the road from Colombo. And and, and, literally, and literally, this town has never had a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and it has over one million people. And we jumped out and started handing out tracts and immediately confronted by a man sticking the pen and bouncing it off of my nose, saying, why are you here? Why are you here? And I just said, it's a gift. It's a gift. I don't know what to say. It's a gift. And then I was like, this is scary. It went from one guy to 15 to more and more to a group of about 100 people pressing upon us. And so that's when the the missionary said this, get in the van. (laughs) We jumped in the van and we hightailed it out of there. And I'm looking around saying, listen, my friends, I'm just being honest with you. When I was in Sri Lanka, I was asking God, would you send me? There's so many people and it's so dark and the lost are everywhere. And when I left Sri Lanka go on that plane to come home and God didn't, God didn't say go, I was disappointed, but I'm, I'm glad God has me where I'm at. But I would be willing to go if he said go. And I think of our brothers all around the world and I think of what they go through and I think of the things that they stand through and it, it causes me to sometimes sit down and weep and it causes me sometimes to sit down and mourn because it just appears sometimes that the work is not going at the pace or at the progression that I just think it should And maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just think we gotta do something for God. Amen. So we... <clears throat> We need to understand that our hearts are crucial to understanding the need of rebuilding the walls in our life and becoming a prayer warrior. I want you to think about this when we get to verse number four, we get a picture of the man and verse number five is when we see the prayer and 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 said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. That keep with covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Isn't it wonderful? Nehemiah was talking to his T- this talking to his God, talking to his Lord, and listen—he knew exactly who he was speaking to. He was speaking to the one who had led them out of Egypt. He was speaking to the one who had used Moses in great and powerful and wonderful ways. He was listen—he was speaking to the God listen that that had done miracle after miracle and give blessing after blessing and given protection and, and given provision and 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 watched over watched over his people over and over and over again. Yep. He knew who he was speaking to. He he, he wasn't worried about anything else. He wanted to get a hold of God and speak to Him about what was going on in his heart. So the Bible says he wept, he mourned. The Bible tells us he fasted and he prayed. And the Bible tells us in verse number 6, he began to speak to the Lord, let thine ear now be attentive. I want us to think about that. He was so burdened for, the, for, the, for, for what God was stirring in him. He was so passionate about it that as he came to the Lord, he came, verse number five, to, O oh, Lord God of heaven, Before you and I can really, listen, before you and I can really get alone with God and really get there and spend time with Him and bear our hearts for Him, tonight would you allow me to just take a moment and remind us of who God is? He is the Supreme King. He is Jehovah God. He is the one who is 100% in control. You see, my friend, prayer is not us having our way with God, but God having His way with us. It's not us controlling God, but God controlling us. And the reality is we go before God with almost like a wish list of things. And the reality is when we go before our Father in heaven, we ought to just sit still for a moment and let the Holy Spirit begin to work into our hearts. And then we begin to speak and pray the things that are according to God's will and not according to mine. He says, our Lord God of heaven in Nehemiah 1.5. Boy, have we heard something similar to that? If we were to jump to Matthew in chapter 6 and verse number 9, you know what we'd find? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His name is holy. He is holy. Everything about Him is right and good and pure. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the epitome of majesty. He is the epitome of holiness. Praise God we can come before Him boldly. Praise God we can come before Him uh, with with, with confidence in Him. But we should also acknowledge that He is the supreme God. And we must acknowledge who He is in our life. The Bible tells us in Psalm 99, verses 1 and 5, it says, The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at His footstool, for He is holy. Holy. Oh, my friends, as we go before God, listen to what one preacher said in the aspect of Job. Do you remember Job? <laughs> Job was an interesting Bible, Bible character, was he not? He was an interesting man. Did he not face a very interesting uh, time in his life where he rebelled against God and he fought against God and all of a sudden he ends up in the belly of the great fish? And just so you're wondering, if you're wondering what I think about that, I don't think that's some weird hyperbole. No, I think that when they went to throw him overboard, God had a a big old fish waiting for him. And when he went overboard, that fish swallowed him up into his belly. I believe that really happened. And I believe that he stayed in that belly just like the Bible talks about for three days and three nights. And I believe that that fish went up and, listen, I'm not trying to be gross, but puked him up on the shore of, that, of the shore of that sea and he went in a different, listen, he went to Nineveh a different man than when he went in the belly of that fish. Yeah. I didn't say he was quite right with God yet because he went in there and preached what? One of the shortest sermons ever recorded in scripture and all God's people said, hey, man. <laughs> and the Bible says Nineveh repented repented short sermon they repented and then and then and then he goes up and sits on the top of the hill and he's watching a little gourd you know he's all snotty about it and he goes and sits down and he's waiting for God to judge Nineveh hello that doesn't make any sense they just repented but Job wanted them still destroyed isn't that not Job uh what's his name Jonah. Changed stories, didn't I? Y'all like you've never done that before. You've been there. (laughs) You know what I always used to do, too? I always used to get Moses and Noah mixed up. What? (laughs) What? I remember one time I was waxing eloquent about, about, about Moses and the ark. Oh, yeah. I remember looking at a bunch of people and them doing this. And there's some sweet, you know, old, old, older lady that just said, it's okay, I know what he means. I know you've never done that before. Oh, no, Brother Marshall, I know. Do I need to start all over so we can get Jonah right? Do I need to go all back? Are we good? I can recap it. (laughs) But Jonah sat there waiting for God to destroy him. And and, and he, he had just preached and they repented. Craziness. I want you to hear the difference of the heart in Nehemiah. He didn't have a heart for any of that. I want you to notice these different things here. I want you to you see this. I want you to hear what was what was written. God thunders his voice. He wears the clothing of dignity and eminence, honor and majesty. He commands the morning and makes the dawn to know its place. He laid the foundations of the earth and created its measurements. He enters the currents of the sea and walks the recesses of the deep ocean. He is the sovereign God who knows where the light lives and the way of the east wind. He is the one who has created the purposes of floods and thunderbolts and ice and hail. He leads forth the constellations. He determines the orbits of planets. He counts the clouds and tips the water jars of heaven. He has created the animals with their instincts. He is the one who has spread the heavens like a mirror. He is the one exalted in power and surrounded by majesty. This is the God we approach. This is the God we come to in prayer. Nehemiah saw God that He was great and saw Him that He was terrible And I want to have a proper perspective on this, my friends, because if you have a proper perspective, it leads to a proper priority. This causes us to acknowledge that God reigns over all. It it, it is, is in all of creation. God is completely capable, and He is completely full of wisdom. In Psalm 145 in verse number one, he says, I will extol thee, my God, O king, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works, and men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare Thy greatness. We serve a great, powerful, all-knowing God. And we go to Him in prayer. He understands our hearts. He understands our burdens. He understands all of those things. And once we understand, my friends, who God is, and once we come to Him in that fashion, with an understanding that He is the Supreme King, that He truly is the Lord of Lords, do we understand that all the things that we get worked up about in government and politics and all of those things, do we understand that that is a complete waste of our time and our energies? Well, why? Because this old world has fallen. This is not going to get any better. Oh, yeah, it will. You just wait until 2024. We're going to turn this thing around in 2024. Man, I wish I could give you good news, but I have a bad news flash. Bad news flash. It ain't going to happen. No, no, no. We're going to have somebody better. But it ain't going to be right. Uh oh. I can tell I got it. somebody. Got it. I could feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> I felt it, Brother Marshall. Somebody was like, <laughs> it's true. Well since you're going to be that way I'm just going to pull over for a minute. I get really weary of Bible believing Christians that expect listen gl- like holiness and righteousness to come out of an office that is full of corruption. Go ahead. Yes. It makes no sense. It makes no sense to look to the leaders of this world that are anti God and anti Christ to all of a sudden show up and say, "Oh, hey, we're going to fix everything the way God would want us to fix it. Oh, yeah. Come on. Do you not remember when that fellow over there in Africa repented of his sins and the sins of the nation and made it a public display in front of the whole country? Talk to two missionaries about that, and they'll tell you that was all a fake, it was all a phony, it was all to get attention, and all it was was to cover him up from different things that he had tied up with drug lords and all that kind of stuff. Come on, man. Lost people yes. are never going to be righteous. Come on. have to acknowledge we're sinners no no no. we must acknowledge our sin Uh, think about this the bible says in verse number six let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which i pray before thee now day and night listen he wants the attention of god He wants God to listen to him. He wants God to hear him. He wants God to see him. He wants clear hearing with God. Aren't you so thankful that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? And that when you bow your knees before Him and you go before Him in prayer, because of Jesus Christ, you and I can enter into that place and talk to our God? Amen. Amen. Do we understand that that's not the way it was before? Job himself spoke about it. Job himself spoke about the, I got it right this time. It was Job. Don't look at me like, I'm going to check that out. He talked about not having a daysman between. He talked about not having a mediator between him and God. Don't be afraid of that. It's just what the Bible says. But when Jesus, listen, when the New Testament came to fruition, fruition, when Jesus came, he died, was buried, and rose again, and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt and empowered, and now we have the Holy Spirit of God. And when Jesus died, that veil was rent in two, and now we have access to the Father, and now we can go before him in prayer, and we can spend time with him. I want you to know, my friends, there's not one time where I've gotten alone with God, and I've been in a private place, in a quiet place, and gone to speak to him, and ever one time felt like he wasn't listening. That's right. Amen because he's my loving heavenly father. And he would not, he listen he would not push away one of his children. I'm trying to tell you, my friends, there've been times where I've gotten on my knees before God. And I remember very shortly after we lost our fourth child and, and, and Billy had, Billy had uh, we, we lost, we have five in heaven and five here on earth. And I remember when, when, when we lost our fourth child, I, I remember there was a time where I, I, I'm surprised God just didn't strike me. Because I would talk to God about things because I was bitter. Is that too much information? I was bitter. Do you know why I was bitter? Because I was involved in the bus ministry. And I went on visits every Saturday. And I'm going to be very candid. Don't worry. Everywhere I go, I never get asked back to preach anyway. So I'm used to it. Don't be mad. It's fine. <laughs> I go on bus visits and baby after baby, having baby after baby. I had one family I would go visit and we brought their kids to the church and they had 16 children in that home. 11 different fathers. And I thought to myself, the only thing that I want I just want to have a little one that I could bring up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But it seems like, it seems like the lost can have as many as they want. And I can't have one. And you know, like, well, that's pretty selfish. Well, I told you I wasn't right with God. I was bitter. And I remember talking to God openly about that in my prayer time. But God was merciful to me and gracious to me. Would you listen, please? He was understanding. He was kind. Until one day, God broke me of that attitude. Fixed my heart. Fixed my heart. And I yielded to whatever God's will was for our life. Whatever that might be. If we never get to have a little one, glory to God. If we get to have a little one, glory to God. But it's no longer about what I want. It's about what He wants. And if we're going to have a prayer life, we need to be like Nehemiah. He's the cupbearer, and he's sitting there, and he hears these things. We need to understand that we have a God that cares, a God that loves, but He's holy, and He's righteous, and He's pure. And we also need to understand, my friends, that we have to acknowledge our sin, that when we're in sin, we got to be able to talk to God plainly about it. And so many times we want to sugarcoat things with our friends and sugarcoat things with the brethren. But listen, my friends, you cannot sugarcoat anything with God. Whatever's in your heart, God knows it. Amen. Whatever's in your heart, God knows it. Whatever behavior you're involved in, God knows it. And you're wandering around and you're looking and saying, well, why isn't God blessed my life? Why isn't God working in my life? Why can't I hear from Him? Why, Listen, why does it seem like the fountains of heaven are closed for me? Well, I'm telling you, you and I, we must search our hearts. Yeah. Yes. And we got to be honest before God. About our sin. That's that's okay. It's a little one walking. I'm with you. It's not a problem. Everybody's like, what happened? I said, it's fine. I passed through in the Northwest, man. Kids ran around everywhere. You couldn't fix it. (laughs) That doesn't bother me one bit. If my mom was here, the way I'm feeling right now, I'm going to go sit by my mom. (laughs) I'm being silly. I hope you understand I'm joking. But hear me. Please hear me. If we're ever going to have the prayer life God wants us to have, we have to acknowledge our sin. Too many times we just bypass that and we don't get alone with God and talk to him about our sin. God help us. Nehemiah said, no, we need to acknowledge our sin. He began to go down the list. He said, he, he, he basically didn't make any excuses. Oh, my friends, man, we're an excuse-making culture, are we not? Uh, so many times I'll hear this, You know they'll, they'll be talking to me as their pastor or, or as a pastor. It's amazing how there's a lot of people that are, I'm not their pastor, but they talk to me like I am. And they say things like, well, I've made a few mistakes recently. Or they say, well, I, you know, I really messed up today. But you know, God knows and he knows I have a little bit of indiscretion in my life. Yeah, God might have heard me tell that little white lie. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It didn't hurt anybody. I mean, I'm a businessman and and I work for this company, but you know, I do have some flexibility in my expense accounts. No, I suppose you saw my little episode of righteous indignation. You hear that one before? Blaming an angry outburst and then trying to say it was righteous indignation. Screaming and acting like a fool and then saying it was righteous. Come on, read that text a little clearer. Study that one out a little bit more. You see, my friends... So many times we make excuses and we try to make small the things that are in our life and the sin that's in our life. And then and then sometimes we'll say, well, Lord, you just know how I am. No, 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 my friends. That's not the way God thinks. God does not forgive excuses, but He does forgive sin when we come to Him asking for forgiveness. Do you understand tonight that you can be in sin and you can have things harbored in your heart and you can have things harbored down deep and you can have all of those things? Do you realize tonight that it is just like that where God can forgive you and God can begin to work in your heart again and you you can do it right now. You don't have to wait for an invitation. God spoke to you about it. You can do it right there in your chair. You can get alone with God. You can come to an altar and leave it at the killing place and never pick it up again and let it die and it can be over. No one, listen, Nobody's got to know. It's just, it's you and God. So many people think they're pulling something over on God. Nehemiah saw the sins of the people. And Nehemiah saw his sin. Come on. He saw the sins of the people. He saw his sin. And he saw the sin of his father's. And he brought all of it up before God. In verse number seven, he says, we have dealt corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. He knew they were wrong. Can I say something? I'm going to be as nice as I can. We we know when we have sinned. No, no, no. We heard it in the testimonies tonight, did, did we not? Well, I knew I was wrong. Isn't that amazing how we'll say stuff like that? And we think, yeah, I knew I was wrong. And then afterwards we think, well, man, why did I get it right before? I always tell our teens at New Heights, I was like, you don't have to get right with God at camp only. You can get right with God. Listen, every time you sin, you can get right with him. You don't have to stack them up and get to camp and be like, that's the best preaching I've ever heard. And I'm thinking to myself, he said the same thing that I have been saying. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Am I the only preacher that's thought that, Brother Bill? Not at all. Okay, thank you. Am i the only one dumb enough to say it, apparently, so yeah. <laughs> I said that like two months ago. And I've actually said it since then. But he's the best preacher in the whole wide world. He's good, but God's better. And God's Word is true. It's, it's, it's not more true because somebody else said it that you like more. No, that's true. Come on. It's getting very awkward. I need to hurry up. <laughs> it's getting too awkward. I'm not going to look up anymore. It's getting scary. It's true, friends. We don't have to stack them up and get right at the Baptist men's recharge. We don't have to knowingly walk in sin and then say, oh, well, I mean, I'm mean, i going to sign up for that recharge so I, can, so I can get some good preaching. Hey, listen, I'm not trying to be mean at all. But I, I love Brother Marshall's preaching. And I'll tell you right now, you get good preaching every time this man of God steps into this pulpit and opens up that book. He preaches that book straight. He preaches it with love. He preaches with kindness. He preaches with compassion. If we had time, I can take you to three sermons that I've heard him preach over 20 years ago that still burned into my mind. And it wasn't because it was Bill Marshall. It was because it was the word of God. I love Brother Marshall. And I love Brother Sam, but it's not about him. I love Brother John Roy. What a great time I had with Brother Roy. It's not about him. I don't even know why people listen to me because I don't even like my preaching. But it's not about me, it's about him. The reality is, my friends, once we understand who God is, and once we see Him as He is in holiness and righteousness and purity, and once we see the sin that we have in our life and we acknowledge it, and and, and we acknowledge and we recognize, my soul, I am wicked. And we have dealt, listen, the Bible says in verse 7, we have dealt very corruptly against Thee. That word means wickedly and without integrity. Listen, my friends, when we realize that we are wicked, and and, and when we realize that we do not keep, we do not follow His commandments, and we go before God bare and and open and transparent. You know what we have to do at that point. We have to trust his promises. Oh, so many people are so afraid to just be honest with God. But do you know, once you are, it's First John one nine. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to for forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. It's gone. The only reason it ever comes back, hear me, the only reason it ever comes back is because when you come here and you leave it with Him and you confess it before Him and He says He cleansed you from all unrighteousness, the only reason it ever comes back is because you pick it up again, not God. Not not God, it's because you do. That's why I love that old hymn. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Because once you've given them to Him, there's no point in taking them back. Because He's forgiven them and it's over. Can I say this very quickly? Very quickly God's people need to learn how to forgive themselves. You need to learn how to, you need to learn what God's forgiveness is all about and then recognize that when he says you're forgiven no matter how you feel about it you're forgiven and you need to trust his promises on forgiveness you need to trust his promises on that and stop bringing it back up I think there are more crippled Christians in this world. They're paralyzed from paranoia. They get ate up with all the stuff they did. And I'm telling you, they they do not understand God's forgiveness. And they sit there and they bind themselves with all of their past. And I'm telling you, it's a horrible, horrible thing. We need to learn to trust the promises of God and then walk in them and talk in them and rejoice in them. Much of Nehemiah's prayer is the truth of the promise of God. He begins in verse number five, and he speaks of Jehovah, he speaks of Yahweh, he speaks of the covenant-keeping God. Part of verse five is a paraphrase of Exodus chapter twenty, and in verse number six, and in verse eight, he is claiming the promise that God made to Moses, and then he quotes Leviticus twenty-six thirty-three: "And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste." He then quotes and shall and shall uh, shall return unto the lord thy god and shall obey his voice according to all that i commanded thee this day thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul if any of thine be driven out unto the u- utmost parts of heaven from thence will the lord thy god gather thee and from thence will he fetch thee my friends god was willing to forgive them if they repented And that's what God does for you and I as His children today. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man. I'm thankful for a loving, merciful, oh, kind, gracious God. I'm thankful that His mercies are new every single morning. I'm thankful that, listen, just follow me, I'm thankful that when the Apostle Paul himself prayed and asked God to deliver him from his thorn in the flesh, I'm so thankful that it was the Apostle Paul, it wasn't Job or Jonah, right? I'm thankful that God, that God told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. Oh, wouldn't it have been great if we, he would have took the thorn of the flesh? But he didn't. But he told him, my grace is sufficient. Hmm. hmm. I love that. I want you to hear me just for a few more minutes, and I will, I will do my best to land quickly. I want you to hear this. <clears throat> Nehemiah is basically saying to his God, God, you've dealt honestly with us, but we dealt corruptly with you. God, you dealt honestly with us and we dealt corruptly with you. And so God, you did what you said. You scattered us. But God, you promised to restore us. My friends, if we're going to trust the promises of God, the only way we can trust the promises of God is to know the scriptures so we know what we are putting our trust in. Nehemiah had grasped the word of God and now the word had a grip on him. Why do we believe in the promise of eternal life, my friends? Because the Bible tells us we have it. Titus 1-2 says, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Why do we believe in godly living according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue? Why do we believe we can come to God in prayer? Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We must trust the promises and the truth of Scripture. We must walk in it and we must embrace it and we must give ourselves to it even if we don't understand how it works, even if we can't fathom why God would even listen to us I'm trying to tell you my friends get over yourself we have to sometimes we are our worst enemy yeah which is just listen to this one last thing and I'll be done. If we're going to rebuild the walls of prayer, we have to know who God is and acknowledge him. And we have to handle our sin properly. We have to trust the promises of God and know, and know the scripture in order to trust the promises. But we also have to, we also have to be before God with humility. The Bible says in verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah knew who he was, but he also knew who his God was. And that if he needed mercy and help, he knew who to go to. He went to his God. Now you know the rest of the story, and we don't have time tonight to get into it, but you know what Nehemiah had to go do in the midst of that conversation, with one turn of his hand, Nehemiah could have been a dead man. Can I encourage you tonight? Be a part of the solution. Be a part of rebuilding that wall. Men, you get home from the Baptist men's recharge, bring those things home that God talked to you about, and start rebuilding that stuff. And have a trowel in one hand and the Bible in the other. And get to work putting those things back together that you know have been failing. And realize that you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. They're going to have to lean and trust in the mercy and grace of God. And you know what? You're probably going to mess up. No, not me, bless God. No, yeah, You. you're you're probably going to mess up. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get alone with God on your face and just talk to Him about it and ask Him to help you. And then you're going to have to get up and go back at it again and walk in His grace and His mercy again. Aren't you grateful for the mercy of God? Be part of the solution. Get to work on the things God talks to you about. You may need, listen, you may not even have a wall to rebuild in your prayer life. You may have never had a prayer life. You may have had the concrete answer that most people say, how's your prayer life? Well, it's not like it should be. Loosely translated, I don't have one. Come on. My friends, build that wall of prayer. Build that wall of prayer. Be like, listen, be like a Nehemiah and go before God humbly. Understand that God is supreme. Acknowledge your sin trust in the promises of god listen trust in the truth of scripture and humbly be a part of what god is humbly be a part of what god is trying to accomplish in you i'm still convinced to this day after pastoring for just a little while i haven't pastored as long as many i started pastoring in 2008 full-time ministry since 2003 And one of the things that's the hardest part about ministry is watching people get so close to the precipice of actually being surrendered and yielded to God and humbling themselves before him and then stopping because they think it's going to cost too much. Well, I'm going to encourage you. It doesn't cost you anything except your life. And doesn't God deserve that? No. Doesn't he deserve that? He gave his life for me. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. Doesn't he deserve my life? Yeah. Build that wall. Build that wall. Let's pray. God, I love you. I'm thankful for you. What a great night. Lord, we're just going to leave the invitation for you and whatever you would choose to accomplish, God. I have no doubt you've spoken on some level to some, to many, or however, whatever it is, Lord, I don't know. But God, I am thankful for you. So, Father, the only thing I know to do is to just leave this to you. So we commit it to you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.